All right, welcome everybody in to another episode of the Shake and Blake Show. John, um, we're going to talk some Sugar Bowl, and we're going to talk a little basketball. Uh, something we just saw as we're recording this, and not something that happened uh, last night. But first off, how are we doing? I'm hanging in there. I mean, uh, I've just been battling a cold that's been occurring for for the last few days, and you know, throughout the fall, I was kind of struggling with with uh, colds as well. So I'm gonna try and and do as I always do and power it through. So stuff like that work also went pretty well tonight as well. Blake, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Um, it's good to be back up in Manhattan. Got here on New Year's Eve. Um. It's a Manhattan is a very it's it turns into a small town very quickly when students leave it's, for break. Oh yeah, you you should see it during the summer. It's it's a complete ghost town except for the new students that come in and uh, tour around campus. I mean it's it's completely silent. Um, like right like the the students get back like prior to the first week of class, but um. Like right before then, it's just completely dead silent. Yeah, it it turns into a small town pretty quick, but the no traffic is kind of nice, and there's not a lot of people at the gym, so I can get to the machines I want to, which uh, I do really appreciate. Before we talk about the Sugar Bowl, uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter at shakenblake seven eight five. Leave a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, and follow the podcast on Spotify wherever you're listening. Uh, make sure to follow the podcast. So uh, let's talk the Sugar Bowl, John. Um, we're going to spend um, 99% of our time talking about the first quarter. And then we'll just mention in passing that Alabama scored, you know, <laughs> 35 points unanswered. We, um, we can just, uh, we, we can just say that a, a second half existed at, at went and gone by just like every other game. It was, uh, it was yeah. one of the second halves of all time. That's definitely um, mm-hmm. for sure. If you somehow missed it, um, you know, K-State playing Alabama in the sugar bowl lost 45 to 20. Um, but you know, before we get into any details, just, you know, make sure any criticisms we have of this game, just take it with a grain of salt. It's Bama. This is obviously one of the greatest seasons in K-State history, taking home a big 12 championship, obviously meant everything. Getting back to double digit wins, um, for the first time in a while is really important. Um, but I mean, to start out this game, John, I mean, we thought we had them, you know, we get to that, that 10, nothing lead. And then, I mean, the, the the biggest two moments of this game from the K-State side, at least, is obviously that interception on the first drive when it really felt like we were rolling. We were getting some offense together. We scripted a good first drive. And then, you know, near the end of halftime, we go on an 18-play, you know, 10-and-a-half-minute drive. We get zero points out of that. I mean, that's potentially 14 points right there that you're missing out on. And considering Alabama, you know, they go down and score and go up 21-10 at halftime, you know, that's a totally different ball game. I mean, if we get a field goal on that first drive, 21-20 is a lot different. Um, you know, it's hard to tell. You know, obviously, we'll talk about the events that happened to start the second half that got us down by that made the game pretty much irrelevant within the first two minutes. Um, but uh it's just it was it was such a great first quarter that we'll definitely remember for a long time. Yeah, and and that's the thing. Like you would you really want to keep the first quarter. Just like that complete score is like just stop the count or anything yeah. like that. Not, not 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 I'm not getting in politics, just loving that that one quote, stop the count. Uh but 10-7 in the first quarter, it looked like K-State's offense was really getting Bama to work. Um the defense forced Bryce Young and company uh to a few three and outs. And um, um, you know, it just looked 
K-State looked pretty good for the most part. Of course, you also had the 88-yard run by Deuce Vaughn, in which uh, we'll talk about later as well. Uh, I'm shedding shedding many (laughs) tears just uh, talking about him at this moment. But um, he he ran – I mean, he just completely outran all the Bama defenders. And little did we know at the time – well, little did I know at the time – was that it was his lo- it was the longest run given up in the Nick Saban era as well. So I, if there's one little nugget to take away from a K-State perspective, always being on the right side of history, got that good old 88-yard run. Now, the bad side of the history is that Nick Saban has his 100th uh, AP Top 25 win, and it comes into the, comes into the hands of K-State in the Sugar Bowl, but um, really, starting the second quarter, Bryce Young just started to warm up. I mean, he's he's connecting to the likes of Jameer Gibbs, um, as well as Jermaine Burton. I mean, that, those two guys were really a thorn in the K State secondary. Um, they were just they were just too fast, way too uh, way too talented, and I mean, for the most part, when K-State just blows coverage, I mean, Alabama's going to make you pay. I mean, and it's not like when you're seeing any of these teams like Texas Tech or uh, who else, Oklahoma, early on in the season. It's not any of those teams in which if you blow coverage, it's okay. Some of the wide receivers will not do their part as well. But Nick Saban's going to get the most out of his guys. I mean, that's why, I mean, that's why you're seeing the likes of Bryce Young and Will Anderson plays uh, playing this game he knows that their that their job is not done they got one last thing to do before very they got one last thing before uh they head off to the nfl uh and that is just to really perform because you're not really doing anything else uh to further improve your stock if you're not playing in the game either but nonetheless a great win for alabama a sour note to end the season on for k-state but um, just to even be in this position playing against Alabama, I mean, that is, um, I won't say nothing short of a miracle, considering that K-State was con- contending for the Big 12 championship, but um, just just a really cool experience. I mean, you're, you're only going to get uh, a one-in-a-lifetime opportunity to play Alabama uh, and Nick Saban as well. Yeah, I mean, I, something else we could note, I mean, it's the first time we've played Alabama. You know, each team has played each other in school history, um, so... I heard Three kind of talking about it's kind of the difference. Um, you know, obviously in beat Bama, they were talking about hypothetically, you know, kind of like going through all the different blue bloods that uh, K-State has played, you know, playing a USC. We've played Michigan. We've now played Bama. If you want to count Tennessee, we played them. Obviously, Oklahoma, Nebraska in our played, own. L- played LSU last year. I mean, LSU, I mean, yeah. Auburn, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. They're not a blue blood, but, you know, they've won some national championships recently and been good. Um, so, I mean, it's just kind of another thing to check off the list of playing great teams. Um, you know, Tulane, you know, obviously now, um, <laughs> you, played, uh, you played Ohio state and Ohio state, Oregon. Well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure I'm Oregon. forgetting them. Yeah. I'm, but, for, I'm I mean, sure I'm forgetting some too, but yeah, two, um, Tulane, I mean, they're, they're an SEC, they're an SEC school. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they're, they think they're an SEC school now, but, uh, I will call them an SEC school because Willie Fritz makes them play like an SEC school. Well, <laughs> yeah. we'll get to that when we get to that. Yeah, definitely. Um, back to this game. Um, when you want, when you're trying to beat a team like Bama, um, you need to play your ass off and then you also have to get a little lucky, 
Um, those first two Bama drives, we definitely got a little lucky. Bryce Young, he just looked off. He missed a throw, I believe, on third down. He missed a couple other throws. Um, and we were stopping the run pretty well. But um, and then the thing that kind of just got us was explosive plays, right? I mean, on their third drive, on that third and ten, you know, we were about ready to get him off the field. Um, they run a little, you know, like route over the middle. That's just happens to be perfectly timed with a block by a wide receiver. He goes down 60 yards. Um, they go down and score. And then obviously, you know, as the game goes on, we go on our big drive. We don't get anything. You know, it's such a shame on that fourth and one right on the goal line. Um, obviously, I don't I completely agree with going for it there. Um, we'll talk about a decision to start the second half, but I think all out aggression when you're playing a team like Bama makes total sense. You're playing to win the game. Right. And, you know, you got to get some things like that to go your way. If you're going to beat Bama, um, if he had just waited just a millisecond, cause that defender kind of tripped and slowed Ben Sinnott up just a little, and then he didn't, couldn't lead the throw as much. If he could just throw it right at Sinnott, that would have been a touchdown. But I mean, that's just kind of, you know, picking hair, uh, picking nits. Um, so, you know, uh, go ahead, John. Well, I think another thing to point out is, I mean, well, from my vantage point, it looked as if Senate, well, part of it was that he was a little bit late, but when, he, but he was there in time to get, to get the completed pass from Howard. But um, I heard through an interview that Howard, um, right when he threw it, he kind of figured it was going to be incomplete and um, it looked a little bit further wide than most anticipated. So I think part of that was on Howard. I do agree on on what Coach Kleiman said. He said he'd go for it three or four times, and I can't blame him. You, you're there to win the game. Uh, you're, I mean, just uh, I mean, I'd be, you'd just be creating a big opportunity with a score. But you know, it is what it is. Yeah. So we don't get on the fourth and down there. Um, you know, Alabama goes 98 or 99 yards and scores a touchdown, and all of a sudden it's like, oh. Well, this is rough because Alabama gets the ball to start the second half as well. Down 21-10. We got absolutely nothing going for us right now. Um, you know, we talked about love the decision to go for it on fourth down there. We could talk about this. Obviously, oh my um, goodness. It's to start the second half. We go for an onside kick, little a la um, like you know, what we did um against Oklahoma last year, except it wasn't executed as well at all. Um, I mean, Kleiman said he's, I think he, I think the ideal situation for that is Ty to hit it like right down the middle where there's that big gap between the defenders and Ty can fall on it, but it just went right to an Alabama defender. Um, so the execution was poor. I don't know how you feel about the decision to go for it or to go for that onside kick. I'm 50, 50. I understand where they're coming from. If that's something they practice every week, which I believe they said they did and they're confident and tied to be able to do that. I understand it's maybe was it a little desperate? Yes. Yeah. But if it had worked and, you know, hypothetically, you know, somehow go down and score or something. I mean, that's exactly what we would have needed, but that's, you know, a one in a hundred kind of play. Um, so I do you agree with the decision to go for the onside kick to start the second half? I, I think you were to the point in which it was a little bit desperate, you know, um, in the Oklahoma game a couple of years back, um, yeah, I mean there there was that little kick in which Oklahoma wasn't wasn't expecting for it, but it was just poor execution for the most part. And yeah, I mean Alabama recovered at the forty six, and really, I mean their offense just completely took over there from there. I mean, not just with with their ne- with that drive, but the next drive as well. They scored two touchdowns. 
in the first two minutes of the third quarter, um, which was just c- completely. I, I I I just I'm just not fully sure about the timing and all. I think if it was maybe midway through the third quarter, and if it was a closer game than it been anticipated, uh, maybe you would go for it then and. Um, just kind of ex- uh, pull off a little bit of an expect the unexpected type of uh, play there, but it just didn't, it just didn't fully pan out. And um, yeah. And, and really since Ben Alabama took over and, and really Nick Saban is just, I mean, there, there's no other coach that can uh, adjust to the second half um, to, to the second half more perfectly than Nick Saban. And I and I'd imagine he really had something cranked up for Alabama, uh, once when they had it at the at the forty six yard line. So, I mean, if if it was their idea, I understand it. I mean, there was a good opportunity right there, but um, execution wasn't there, and it just pretty much uh, smelled doom right there. Yeah. What do you What do you think Bill Snyder's reaction was? <laughs> We've we've moved a little what bit in, from our conservative ways, punting on in, fourth and one at the at the other team. What what in God's mind are we doing? What is this? What's this? The work of Satan. Oh man. Anyway, what so nineteen twenties. <laughs> so so Bama gets the onside kick, and I mean, on that on that drive, Bryce Young hits one of the greatest throws I've ever seen to Jacory Brooks. Uh, to take a 28-10 lead. I mean, oh my gosh. It was just like a rainbow. I mean, Julius Prince is 6'4", and he's like within a foot of Ja'Cory Brooks in the back corner of the end zone, and it just drops in a place that only Ja'Cory Brooks can get it. Um, I mean, if you don't remember, go back and watch, um, you know, right at the start of the second half. It's just, I mean, it's such an amazing throw. I mean, like just, you know, going back to what you were talking about at the beginning, Bryce Young struggling, it's like, well, I mean, you know, being, you know, on cloud nine because we're up 10 nothing against Bama. It's like, man, this game might actually hurt his draft stock. But no, no, no it did not. Yeah. You know, when you throw for – I mean, he has three – getting into the stats very quickly. You know, 321 yards on 15 attempts. You know, 15 yards to throw and five TDs. I mean, he absolutely played, you know, played his ass off. They took him out with five minutes left in the game. So um, you go up 28-10, you have the Will Howard interception, which is just a, it's just a good play by Brian Branch to read Howard's eyes. Bama scores on the next play, and, you know, it's 35-10 against Bama within two minutes of the second half. And, you know, and it's, it was, I'm sure it was a tough scene um, in the Superdome. I mean, I'm a, I mean, we got, we got a, we got a touchdown though late in the game. It was kind of garbage <laughs> time, but uh, uh, Jordan Shipper, shout out to him. Shout out uh, Jordan getting MV, getting in the final seven uh, there for K State. But I mean, you mentioned it. Bryce Young might have had his best performance wearing the uh, crimson and white uh, for Alabama. I mean, I've seen a few games in which he's played in the SEC. Um, and just watching him in person, I mean, he is just completely different from what I saw on, on the TV. I think that game, I mean, not only I mean, not only just improves his draft stock, but might even be considerate con- consideration for possibly being the top quarterback of a draft. Um, considering how kind of disappointing the way the uh, the season ended for CJ Stroud of Ohio State, but uh, man, right? I mean, Bryce Young, he is just an all-around talent and uh, he, he even climate admitted he he thanked um he he even thanked Bryce Young for playing 
uh, as well. I mean, you're you're not really going to get those type of opportunities um, to play just an all-around elite quarterback who's won the Heisman Trophy. I mean, you play Robert Griffin, but that's right before he won the Heisman Trophy. Uh, you play Miles Garrett, who's one of the best defenders in the country at Texas A&M. But it's Bryce Young. I mean, and especially in this day of college football, when you're considering bringing in name, image, and likeness, I mean, he is one of the more marketable type of quarterbacks that you're gonna see. And he always back and he always and the stats always back up his case to why he he his branding and his status as a quarterback just continues to rise up uh higher and higher and higher every day. Yeah, you know he's making a ton of money from that one Fansville commercial he did. I I mean that that might have made him a millionaire. Um, probably not just that alone, but the combination of everything. They're my um, they're my parents now. <laughs> I mean, he changes the he changes the hit the the uh, uh, brother's room to weight weight room and all that. Yeah. Oh my gosh! But the Fansville commercials are really funny. Oh wait, he, I mean, he's also doing the the Heisman House commercials too. Yeah, yeah. So. No, he's he's definitely he's already making money before he's uh playing on Sundays. Uh, so John, I mean, what did Alabama do well to get themselves into this big lead? Obviously, the explosive plays. Um, they hit the deep ball a few times. I mean, their receivers are just—I think they're just straight up faster than than our corners. Um, and then I think defensively, I think the first two drives you saw Alabama's defense playing pretty shallow. Um, and I think on that third drive, they realized like, hey, like we can pretty much just like guard these guys one on one, probably. Um, cause I mean, I don't think Malik Knowles or especially Phillip Brooks are just, you know, they're not jump ball receivers. that can just win on go routes one-on-one. Um, so that definitely helped. I think in the second half, I especially noticed Will Howard was just under pressure the entire time. Obviously mm-hmm. Will, and when you have Will Anderson, um, you know, rushing a quarterback, that's going to make it hell for, um, Will Howard. But I mean, Alabama had a nose tackle who I saw was six, five, three seventy. And he came into Alabama 418 pounds, and then he lost a bunch of weight. So, I mean, I can't believe you lost 40 pounds to be 370, but I guess that's just Alabama things. Um, so he really, I mean, he was just, he could not have a clean pocket the whole time. He did a good, decent job, I would say, um, maneuvering around it. You know, well, Howard's not the quickest guy, but he can definitely, you know, get around, slide up in the pocket. His pocket presence is really good. He's just not a big scrambler like a Kyler Murray or something like that. He did make some good throws. A couple drops from Ben Sinnott, which we didn't really see all season, especially one for a touchdown and one beautiful throw, like over the top of a defender that he just couldn't come down with. Um, which was a bit unfortunate. Um, in garbage time, we saw some people we hadn't really seen or hadn't seen in a while. I saw Jaden Jackson make a couple catches. We hadn't really mm-hmm. seen him play all season. Uh, obviously, Jordan Shippers with the one-yard rushing touchdown. DJ Giddens, you know, even in, it's garbage time, but it's still you're still playing against Bama. I think he played really well. He's shedding some tackles. He made some really big runs that set us up um, for that touchdown. I, I think when you're comparing the two teams and how they they stack up against each other and how and what Alabama did well, uh, and not just the defensive side and forcing a lot of pressure towards Will Howard, but the offensive line giving plenty of time for Bryce Young to heap the ball deep. Uh, I mean, they had one or two guys just completely covering Felix. Um, some of them were kind of were were some were some of them were kind of holding calls, but. Um, 
nonetheless, their offensive line gave Bryce Young a tremendous amount of time uh, from the second quarter forward. I mean, he, I mean, he wasn't going to get, he, he wasn't going to get wrapped up too often. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, this was by far Will Howard's worst performance this season, which uh, I mean, it's saying a ton. Cause I think in every game he's played and he's been nothing sort of amazing, you know, 18 to 35, 210 yards and two picks, you know, he had a tough game, um, yeah. you know, and, Deuce Vaughn, who, you know, uh, had a great game, 133 yards. Obviously, a lot of that was on the 88-yard run, had a touchdown. Um, he actually got hurt. Um, some, I think it was in the third or fourth quarter, came out for a little bit. That was a little scary. Um, and then DJ Giddens, like I mentioned, 67 yards rushing. Um, something else we should talk about, Adrian Martinez um, was in yeah. for a couple of um, plays. Um, the first kind of set of plays he ran didn't go super well. But the next few, like he got some decent yardage. I don't think he was 100%. Um, as far as I can remember, I don't think he played in the second half, which is kind of surprising considering I know you got to stay in the fight, you know, but the game yeah. was basically over. It's his last collegiate football game. You know, I think it would have been good to, you know, especially even on that, you know, garbage time touchdown, let Adrian Martinez, you know, rush that in. But and just proved, and just proved to all of the Nebraska fans that it's possible to make a bowl game. Uh, I mean, <laughs> what more does there need to be said? But um, two two carries for twelve yards. You you had a pretty good eight yard run, which uh, resulted in a first down as well. But um, I, I I was extremely I I was extremely pleased with Adrian Martinez. Just just kind of summarizing Adrian Martinez um, with the entire situation. I mean he. He was one of the biggest factors that got K-State to this point. Um, and seeing him play in a bowl game in which he was like desperately needing um, just to fulfill his time as a college football player, um, I mean, it just leaves a big smile to my face. I mean, it's it was just really cool to see him play in a bowl game in which he never had the opportunity at Nebraska too. When you know the same story went with Cade Warner last year, uh, back when he was, uh, back when he he was in his first in at K State as well. Um, so I I I kind of agree with you as well. I I thought Martinez could have used some more run plays as well. Um, I I'm also looking at some of these stats and DJ Giddens kind of getting some uh wide receiver time uh what was it three yeah. receptions 48 yards um kind of seeing a pretty good mix right there not to not to full i i wouldn't say full deuce Vaughn just yet but um we've seen him the run game and now we're seeing come some some spurts in the passing game as well i mean we'll 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 take it any day oh receiving i should say receiving part but uh yeah <laughs> yeah i mean that kind of segues us nicely yeah. into the conversation of you know deuce vaughn has officially declared for the nfl draft um i wasn't i don't know how uh like i don't know how you felt i wasn't 100 percent sure if he was gonna um declare or not just given i mean i don't know he's probably gonna be i don't know what his draft stock he's probably a day two or day three guy um, so I thought maybe he could come back for his senior year, but I think he's going to do a lot of great things in the NFL. Julius Branch just um, declared for the NFL draft as well. So, I mean, it's going to be DJ Giddens next year. And I think K-State fans can be really confident in DJ Giddens based on what we've seen this year, um, especially with another year under his belt. I mean, given his size and the speed he has, he's a different type of back 
than Deuce Vaughn. He's not as shifty, but I mean, I think he's a guy who can put his foot in the ground, make one cut, and then just just accelerate to full speed, and he can really get a lot of yards. Um, so I think K State fence will be, I mean, totally fine with having DJ Giddens as their number one running back next year. Yeah, just kind of uh, just some of the differences with Deuce Vaughn, kind of more of the cuts and jukes, and finding that little wide open gap, he's able to just be extremely explosive. Uh, and in terms of just being explosive overall, you got DJ Gittens. I kind of say more of a power back in 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 comparison to Deuce Vaughn as well. But uh, in K State's in good hands, five hundred and eighteen yards on eighty nine attempts. You got six touchdowns to go along with it. Personally, I I real I honestly thought DJ Gittens should have had more rep and uh, more reps this year. Um, even even with being the the uh, backup running back as well, but um, I mean he has a lot of potential. Again, he was only a freshman. He, I mean, he was he, he was a freshman coming out of Junction City. Nobody really knew who he was until we started hearing some of the press conferences from Chris Kleiman. It's like, uh, we've been very impressed with DJ Giddens. And next thing you know, he's just starting to really p- provide some of the bigger runs that Deuce Vaughn was not a part of uh, in case if he needed to go to the sideline for a breather. And um, I mean, he, I mean, and especially in the Iowa State game, late, uh, late in the contest, you talk about Deuce Vaughn being banged up. Um, it was not just Martinez, but it was also DJ Gittens who kind of gave up uh, final few runs to seal the deal in the win over Iowa State. So I think K-State is in a really good position with uh, DJ Gittens without a doubt. Uh, yeah, definitely. Now, Obviously, let's go. We can go ahead and shift the conversation here to kind of our tribute to Deuce Vaughn. One of the shames of Deuce Vaughn declaring for the NFL is he had a real shot at breaking a record that I thought was completely unbreakable. Darren Sproles' rushing record. I mean, Darren Sproles, before um, Deuce Vaughn got into second place, I mean, second place was like 2,000 yards apart between Darren Sproles and second place. Um, and Deuce Vaughn has cut that. I mean, he's, he was 1,300 rushing yards away from breaking Darren Sproles' record, which if he just did what he did the pre- previous two years, he would have broken it. He was 700 yards away from breaking the all-time scrimmage yards record, which all, Darren Sproles also has. So um, that record will still stand for now. Um, it's going to be tough. To, uh, whoever's going to break that record, I mean, 5,000 rushing yards in you know four years and if somebody's that good especially with you know how running backs are treated in the nfl now where you know their kind of their timetable is a lot more limited um they're probably just going to declare for the nfl so i think that's one of the more unbreakable records um in k-state history but he had a real shot at breaking it but i mean what can you say about deuce von john uh you know two-time first team all-american him and chris canty are the only k-staters to ever do that um you know in a 2020 year that was pretty um pretty sad uh, Deuce Vaughn, you know, as, as a true freshman, was an absolute breakout star and somebody we knew would be really good for at least the next two years. And he really was. Um, you know, there's so many great moments. You know, it was great on Twitter um, seeing, you know, the the tweet of Deuce Vaughn declaring for the NFL draft and, you know, like Barstool, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State were all like, thank God. Oh, thank God. He's gone. He's finally gone. There were a lot of Oklahoma. I mean, there was one Oklahoma fan that put out a gif of, uh, a guy's doing like the ha ha it's finally over 
Uh, like it's it's doing that in, in the rain. Uh, it, it it was it was pretty funny, but uh man, I mean a two time consensus all American. I mean he he has proven it. He has proven to me all he can handle on the college level. I mean it, it's at this point we we've seen all the all the things that just make Deuce Vaughn special, and it's not really. It's. I mean, it wouldn't be really to a surprise because Deuce Vaughn is just capable of doing all of these things, whether it's rushing, uh, block, unblocking for, uh, the likes of Malik Knowles whenever they're on the um, jet sweeps. You also got uh, his receiving yards as well. Um, I mean, it's just absolutely a. It, it, it's a, it's a diamond in the rough that, um, we that Chris Kleiman landed, and especially in two thousand and twenty. Where K State's recruiting wasn't where to where it is at now, and you go after this, what what is he five foot eight, small right, uh, five small, six, five six man, even I can't even I can't figure that out, um, but I mean he is just, it, it's these type of recruits that. Um, just make K State great. Not only just his performance on the field, um, where he where he was coming from previously at the time, because he was not he was not heavily recruited, uh, even in his own, even in his home state of Texas. I mean, K State got him at possibly the right time. I mean, he, I mean, you got to look at some of the stuff off the field as well, just with how he presents himself. Uh, in press conferences, post game interviews. Uh, I mean, he he is well. Chris Kleiman called him uh, a um a coach's dream player. Is what is what he says. But um um, I am I'm very very pleased for him. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing where he's going to get drafted, and I deeply hope that some that an NFL coach will be able to utilize. Uh, his game plan and um, really just take the world by storm because we saw Darren Sproles tear up the NFL with the Chargers and the Eagles and now he's able and now you're bringing in Deuce Vaughn uh, I think there could be a lot of success in the near future for Vaughn yeah and it's crazy to think I mean you know the two stars of this team Deuce Vaughn and Felix and Yudike Uzama had K-State was their only power five offer that's right I mean that that just totally speaks to the recruiting and, you know, that's kind of our signatures finding the diamonds in the rough. And that's, what's led K-State um, to such great success. And, you know, Deuce Vaughn, we dearly miss, you know, we'll see, we'll definitely be seeing him in, you know, I don't know, 15, 20 years in being inducted into the ring of honor, um, possibly, you know, even the college football hall of fame. So he's definitely a legend that we remember in K-State history before yeah. we, well, well, he's a well. One more thing to point out. I mean, he's going to be a Ring of Honor block. I mean, they, they, there's absolutely no doubt about it. Uh, um, I mean, you you just look at some of the other K State greats that belong in that category. I mean, Deuce Vaughn. I mean, he's already an automatic block. I mean, we could already tell last year as well that he was going to be an automatic block, but um, just one one hell of a career and. Well, like I said, I mean, he he is an all-around walk. Anything less than that, uh, then are then there's something wrong with our fan base and our athletic director as well. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes it takes a while for guys to get into the Ring of Honor. 
but hopefully he'll be one that, you know, maybe he'll have a really long NFL career. And that's by the reason we can't have him in for a while. But um, before we move on, talk about some basketball. Um, John, we need to get your, you were in New Orleans. I was not. So let's, let's get your New Orleans experience. Um, you know, what the crowd was like, um, the split of the crowd, you know, or any, you know, general, general fun stuff that happened in New Orleans. Oh man. All right. So we came in, uh, for two flights, Oklahoma city to Dallas, Dallas to Jackson, Mississippi. And on our way down from Jackson, Mississippi to New Orleans, uh, we were listening to the K-State pep rally and um, just looking at some of the photos on Instagram. I mean, what was it? It, it looked as if it was 10,000, maybe 15,000 strong showed up at the pep rally, uh, which was held at a convenience center, which uh, another thing that was pretty sad, but uh, oh, well, um, it is what it is. You can, you can only find uh, any type of place you can, but um it, it was a it was a great crowd not just at the pep rally but the day of the game um you, you look at some of the pregame festivities festivities that were taken outside of the stadium and i mean it was in terms of a pregame stuff outside of a stadium it was boy probably 80 to 20 k-state k-state uh compared to bama i mean they their fan the fans just showed up just kind of wanted to get a little bit of a of, of a flavor of New Orleans as well. Um, I mean, it, it, it was pretty cool. I mean, once when we entered the stadiums, more of the Bama fans started to pile up. And um, I think maybe at the end of the day, Bama probably had more fans. What was it, like a 55 to 45 advantage? But, I mean, boy, I, I mean, I just don't really know what, what else there is to say? K State fans just continue to show up at, at these big bowl games, um, and just continue to pack one side completely purple. I mean, we we talk about the Fiesta Bowl. That was all. That was all purple. Um, gonna get fully the overall purple, but um, Boy, I I I'm I'm still kind of overwhelmed by the trip. I mean, there was just a lot of K State Nation that made the trip on down to New Orleans, and it was a once in a lifetime opportunity too. Because, I mean, I know we're playing at Tulane in 2024, but playing in a big game like this against Alabama, uh, you're 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 going to get a lot of people there. So, um, it was a really good crowd, really really great crowd, um, uh. I was I was in the student section. They were rocking. I mean, I saw a lot of Big Twelve signs. We were pointing and laughing at Alabama. We were up 10-0. Uh, and then when Bama started winning, they started chanting SEC, SEC, which I mean it's it's yeah. Uh we everybody <laughs> knows how that goes, but do you think we should do that? Do you think Big 12 teams should do that, John, when we're like up in a bowl game? Just big 12, big 12, big well, 12. Well, we were beating Missouri <laughs> earlier this year and they were chanting big 12 football, clap, clap, go, go, clap. And then we just mocked Missouri by chanting SEC as well. But um, <laughs> nonetheless, it was a really great crowd. Uh, right afterwards, we went uh, walking around town and there was still a pretty good amount of purple, uh, and 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 a pretty good amount of crimson as well. We made our way to Beale Street as well. Got to see a good friend of mine, Jasmine Halliburton. 
Uh, she was she was over at uh, Bourbon Street as well. She works for a radio station. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, Bourbon Street is just huh. Bourbon Street is Aggieville on steroids. And yeah, meth. It, it's absolutely insane. Uh, my 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 shoes definitely got a little more uh dark and a little more rusted i i just don't know it was just absolutely crazy beads were flying all over the place um you had some really great uh drummers as well um every opportunity i got to see a tv i was watching tcu in michigan i was like oh what's gonna happen here and then we just kept on walking there's some interesting people in new orleans as well i mean you want to talk about some of the people that come around Kansas City and uh I mean Denver or I don't know Omaha I mean it's it's completely different down there in New Orleans but nonetheless it, I mean I I had a I had one hell of a time it, it was definitely one of the more entertaining trips I've I've taken and you know maybe maybe if the opportunity presents itself again then uh, maybe I'll take that chance and head back down there. Yeah, you know, something to note with opportunities like these to play in a big bowl game like the Sugar Bowl is they're probably going to get harder because you think about the playoff expanding in that first round of the playoffs you know, with the four seed, you know, 12 through 12 seeds all playing each other on home fields. You know, you got to win that game to get to a big bowl game um, into the, what, the quarterfinal um, yeah. to, you know, play something like well, that. So it's just going to make it that much harder to get well, into big I'll, ball games like these. I'll point it out as well. I wouldn't say so at all because you're already given twelve teams to play in New Year's Six games. Now you're having twelve teams competing for a national championship, and for some of these playoff games, they're going to be uh, they're not going to be affiliated with any conferences. Uh, the Rose Bowl, it's not going to be the Peg 10, Pac-12 ties once when the field expands. You're not going to get the best team out of a Big 12 playing in the Sugar Bowl every year. It's just going to be completely open with close seating, like the 5-12 and 12 matchup, like in the 8-9 matchup. And now there's a lot of new opportunities now that some of the fans will be able to travel to. And, uh, I mean, of course, there's always New Orleans, but now you're talking about the possibility of playing in the Rose Bowl, the Orange Bowl, the Peach Bowl, uh, some of the bowl games that K-State fans have not uh, been able to get to because of the Big 12 bowl game ties. So um, I think I think it, it's a great opportunity. I think you're right in terms of a competition. It doesn't make things any easier because – uh, the, the, everybody's going to be fighting for a spot in the national championship. But I, I think in terms of more opportunities to play in new locations, I think, I think the, present, the opportunity presents itself very well. Yeah, that's definitely true. And then you think about, there's going to be a couple extra bowl games that are going to be not like affiliated with the, the college football playoff that are still pretty big. So there's still an opportunity to get into those if we're still, you know, in the top 15, top 20. Well, here's here's another thing to point out as well. You're bringing in you're bringing in four new members next year with BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston. The, I am highly anticipating we may get a bowl change, uh, whether like maybe one or two bowl changes. I don't 
I think part of it's just with an expanded Big 12. But I think part of it, too, is just, like, you know, some of the travel um, stuff has just not been panning out for the last few years. I mean, I will do anything in my life uh, just to escape Memphis, uh, of all places. Uh, I mean, the Liberty Bowl, it's pretty cool, but... Um, no, but in reality, it just looks no. like a complete dump. It's just the midway point between the Big Twelve and the SEC. Uh, I mean, I'd rather take a, sh- I'd rather take my chances towards either the Birmingham Bowl or e- even the Fenway Bowl, uh, a- as well. So Not maybe the pinstripe ball, though. Not huh? the pinstripe. We can't go back to the pinstripe ball. I despise the pinstripe bowl after what they <laughs> did. Uh, Never dude, again. We just salute, salute penalty. Uh, just come on. Um, but you know, with an expanded Big Twelve, you you have more teams and more teams to become bowl eligible as well. So it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, and for the Big Twelve this bowl season, I mean, you look at the number uh, two and six. It's not a great showing, um, but. To be fair, I think the Big 12, I think Texas might have been the only team. I, I'm, I'm just pulling this out of my my ass, but I think the Texas might have been the only team that was favored in the Big 12 ball matchups. Um, but I, I think all of that is kind of irrelevant when you consider the fact that TCU did mm-hmm. what Oklahoma could never do and win a college football playoff game and play for a national championship. Because, I mean, you know, the fact that, you know, Kansas lost the Liberty Bowl or that, you know, Baylor lost pretty badly to a, you know, a, a service academy team in the freaking Armed Services Bowl. Um, you know, that's on, not on that's, TCU's home on TCU's home field, by the way. Yeah. When it was like, you know, nine degrees in Texas. It, it, I mean, it was it was too cold to the point. The Baylor band. Yeah. Couldn't even play. They couldn't even play, but. Yeah, um, you look at some of the other matchups. Oklahoma State is just a complete hot mess right now. Um, Texas, I'm I'm just kind of put, putting it under the assumption that besides Quinn Ewers, uh, nobody else wanted to be there. Uh, Xavier Worthy just looked like he was non-existent as a wide receiver as well. So um, that I will say this: Oklahoma looked a lot better than. A lot of people are expecting. I was expecting Florida State to completely route Oklahoma, um, but they give a but they gave a pretty good fight as well. Um, but I mean, you here's another thing to point out as well. Lincoln Riley's brother Garrett Riley has has won a playoff game before Lincoln <laughs> Riley did as an offensive coordinator at TCU. Uh, so, <laughs> uh. It's just completely mind-boggling that Lincoln Riley just continues to stink up everywhere he goes because he doesn't <laughs> have a defense. Um, meanwhile, Garrett Riley is taking the frogs to a Big 12 championship. Oh, hey, well, one, one more thing before before we touch on TCU. Uh, I, I wonder how Missouri's bowl game went. Uh, dodging Kansas <laughs> just lose to Wake Forest by 10. Uh, oh, man. man. Kansas would have beaten them like a drum. Uh, I'm not, I, I'm probably not even joking. I mean, just the way KU plays offensively, uh, Missouri would be in for a long day. 
Uh, man, that was just depressing to watch. But hey, TCU, yeah, 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 TCU, baby. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's absolutely crazy because I mean, I I didn't get to watch the game live because I was I had to help with the West Virginia game um working that so i just checked my phone it's like oh my gosh it's 21 6 at halftime like tcu can do this and then an absolutely just insane third quarter i think most points scored in a quarter in college 40, football playoff history what was it? it was 44 i think it was, oh, 40, was it 34 i thought it was 48 i think it was 44 yeah i'll take uh, a I'll, I'll take a look real quick but anyway i mean just absolutely crazy how about this john michigan has now lost six straight bowl games um so poor jim harbaugh i'm just kidding one of my one of the 40, my favorite sorry go ahead 40 44 points okay tcu scored 20 michigan scored 24 but man poor jim harbaugh like you said uh I it mean, was supposed to be his year it was supposed to be his year and now he's they just got at, they got mer- they got easy tcu just do that and then you know got a shot the natty yeah i know man what what a dumpster fire hey jim 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 if, if you're listening to this, go to Denver, please. I beg you. We need a we need a competent head coach. Uh, but nonetheless, um, uh, uh, it was a really good game, uh, especially late in which Michigan had a good opportunity to win. Um, especially, I mean, JJ McCarthy had his entire had the entire team on his back. Um, and it just didn't pan out, especially. Um, the fourth down, you, what was it? You muffed the, you muffed the, uh, you muffed the snap, and just eventually didn't go your way. And, uh, man, now now we're looking at TCU in the Big Twelve championship, a a a TCU team at the time that was in the whack in nineteen ninety eight. They move up to many conferences. A successful group of five school under Gary Patterson sold themselves very well into Big 12 play early on. I mean, they were five and seven last year. Gary Patterson had to leave. And Sonny Dykes just makes a compl- makes this job completely easy. I mean, he brings in all these transfers uh, and, and turns Max Duggan into a pro. And, and TCU's 13 and one. TCU's 13 and 1 and they're going to play for the national championship game. I mean there there there's no doubt in my mind that Sonny Dykes deserves to be the coach of the year with the way he's got TCU back on the map after a really disappointing season last uh, la, yeah, disappointing last season. I mean it's just I'm just completely stunned. I'm just completely stunned. Yeah, I think the whole college football world was completely shocked by this. Um, oh, my yeah. yeah, I mean, you you, <laughs> you you want to talk about that as well. Uh, everybody in the media, I mean, even J.J. McCarthy in his pregame uh, just came out here and says, like, oh, I mean, uh, I mean the Big 12 defense, uh, we'll give him a few hits, and once when the gap opens, we're going to st- get things going. Uh, I mean, I mean, he's just pretty much dunking on the Big Twelve defense, and so was everybody else. Uh, I have probably even blame myself. I wasn't expecting TCU to win. I thought they'd keep it close, but I thought just kind of a strength that Michigan had would carry them over. But TCU just—I don't know what it is, man. I mean, TCU just finds different ways 
to to keep it competitive like it was in the Big 12 championship, but just finds ways to win. And I'm just just completely stunned. I mean, he I'm sure he probably kept Stephen A. Smith speechless. Uh, I mean, he probably wasn't even watching the game. He they was probably, just he probably made him do research on TCU and actually like figure out who their players are. So. TCU wasn't even the, the competition for TCU was not there. You should have had USC. You should have had Alabama in there as well. Uh, I mean, just come on now. TCU most heavily deserved that spot, and they proved it to everybody in the world that uh, they they not only deserve a spot, but they also deserve to play in the national championship game as well. Now, John. Um... You know what this means with a TCU Georgia national championship, because as you profoundly stated last week, um, or whenever our last episode was, we're better than Georgia. You know, based on how we beat Missouri and Missouri played against Georgia, it just max makes perfect sense that we're better than Georgia. And we've already beaten TCU. Um, that first that first loss doesn't count because you know we won later, so that makes up for it. So um, I think we're the national champions, uh, no matter who wins. So um, well, it's too bad just because something to take home, you know. It's too bad because uh, uh, if we because of TCU wins, then you're just gonna have to go go through the uh, transit of property lines because of yeah. the week, TCU, we beat TCU. But that would also mean Tulane beat SMU. I mean TCU. You probably, that also means Alabama beat TCU, uh, which they probably would. I'm not gonna lie, but um, man, I mean that would be talk about some transit of property right there. You want to talk about Missouri barely beat, I'm barely losing to Georgia, and they get blasted by Georgia. I mean that's you just got one more puzzle to connect right there. Uh, and you know what? We'd be better than Georgia. Uh, yep. yep. I mean, Stetson Bennett, we'd, we'd take him back to the uh, U.S. Mail Postal Service and uh, make him hand out mail deliveries again. At, at the age of 26, he, it's, it's like as if he's been there forever. Uh, I don't necessarily know why he's been there forever. Uh, he should be not in college right now, but nonetheless we're 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 here in this matchup uh i believe this is i believe this is an old liberty bowl matchup i want to say as well uh let me take a look hmm. uh yeah but this was an uh oh this was uh this was yeah the 2016 liberty bowl back when nick chubb was playing for georgia uh they beat tcu 31 to 23 um so i i don't know i just had them in my mind i was like well i kind of swore those two teams played before so i just looked it up and there it was right there but i don't know i'm I'm building i'm building up time i'm building up time that's crazy john we don't need to go play for play in this game we got to talk some basketball so before we go yeah before we go to break i just want to say that um michigan running the philly special on their first drive on that fourth and goal doomed them from the start so they had no chance after calling that play um so it's going to be a lot of fun rooting for a big 12 team to try and win a national championship in a few days so we'll be looking forward to that let's take a quick break john and talk some basketball 
And we're back, John. We're here to talk some basketball, and we're going to talk some basketball in very high spirits. John, it is us and KU atop mm-hmm. the Big 12 standings right now in basketball. Actually, us, KU, and TCU as of like 15 seconds ago as we record this pod. TCU just beat Baylor in Waco, so now they're also 2-0 to start conference play. Baylor 0-2 to start conference play now before we play them in a few days. That'll be, that'll be, I'm so excited for that game, John, but let's talk about what's happened. Uh, we haven't talked about the West Virginia game, but uh, I think we're kind of past it. So we can stop. Cause we talk about this Oak or this Texas game. Cause I mean, Oh my goodness, John, I don't even know where to begin with this game. 116 to 103, I think is a good start just to read the numbers. That's not, you know, the Milwaukee bucks playing the Toronto Raptors. That's college basketball and K state, you know, set a school record. For most points in the game, 116 against Texas. I mean, 58 in each half. Shot the hell out of the ball. Just absolutely lights up. Marquise Noah with a career high, 36 points. Also had 28 points from Keontae Johnson. So your usual two who you think would carry this team. Um, I mean, you get off to a 12-3 to start. You don't really ever look back. Um, at least for a while. I mean, you're up by at 20 at some point, I believe 75-55. But Texas, I mean, they kept trying to claw back. You know, they wanted that crowd as the extremely homer announcers that were absolutely unbearable to listen to kept mm-hmm. eating on that. Like, oh, the crowd's going to get into it. Blah, 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 blah. And then every time Marquise Noel or somebody would, you know, either draw a foul or hit a big three to silence the crowd, um, I mean, oh my gosh, John, I think we're in for quite a ride, uh, in conference play with this K-State basketball team. Yeah, it was, it, it was, it was just a damn shame that nobody could listen to it on, uh, LHN, also known as the little boy home, Homer network. Uh, but, uh, nonetheless, Blake describing this game, I, I just got one question for you. Is it anarchy? It's just college basketball. I thought you'd answer it, but no, you were just <laughs> go for it. Uh, but man, I, I mean, when looking at this K State offense, you just had to grab your nitroglycerine pills, uh, from from your counter. I mean, this team just absolutely insane. Um, j- just just with the overall performance, this wasn't one hundred sixteen points. In overtime, this is 116 points in regulation. It, it, it was absolutely insane, and, and and I I won't get try and get to like the players' overall stats first, but it, it was just absolutely insane the way Marquis Noel performed, the way Keontae Johnson performed, just all the guys in general that were able to create the baskets especially the ones in transition in which Texas was not ready in the paint and Jerome Tang emphasized get to the paint more often and they I mean they just put it all over Texas um it was it was the most that an unranked team has ever scored in a road win over a top 10 opponent too which is just I mean, it, it it's madness it's madness in January I mean there's no other way to describe it 58 points in the first half, you had uh, 58 more points in the second half. I mean, it's just as good as it can get for K-State at this point. I mean, just just absolutely absurd. 
I, I, I mean, I, I'm just, I was just left completely speechless last night. Yeah, you know, I think that West Virginia game, especially the start of it, was kind of a wake-up call. You know, you're down 13-1, to 1, and then we managed to come back and make a win, and I think this is the result of that, where, you know, obviously there's some luck involved with basketball where, you know, you shoot 60% from the field. Oh, yeah. You know, that's going to happen every once in a while. There are going to be some games where you shoot 35% from the field. That's just how basketball goes, and that's what makes March Madness so much fun is that little bit of um, RNG that's involved. But, I mean, what can you say about this team that, you know, Jerome Tang has got himself a squad here, um, you know, all five starters um, in double figures. You know, you play eight guys. Um, Tyke Green got a few minutes. But, you know, pretty much with our seven-man rotation, um, you got to give credit to, you know, Bebe Giola with no David Gasson yet. Um, he was a game-time decision for this game. So I would imagine he'd be able to play at least maybe in a limited capacity against Baylor which, you know, given what Baylor's got, I think it would be, he would be a really big addition to have and just some, you know, um, more uh, depth off the bench. Cause when you got, you know, Marquise, Keontae and Cam Carter all have 38 minutes, you know, and when you're on a road trip in Texas, that's going to create some wear and tear. Um, but back to this game, I mean, you know, we mentioned we're up by as many as 20, but that lead did not feel safe at all. Um, when considering what we saw in the second half, Texas, you know, we mentioned K-State put up 58 points in each half, which is like unbelievable. That's just totally unprecedented. You don't see that very often in a conference game on the road, especially in the best conference in college basketball. Texas against, put up against the number six team in Texas. I mean, the number six team. I mean, I understand there were a lot of un unforeseen circumstances with the Chris Beard situation, but. I mean, they're still able to to win day and day out in the Big Twelve, and I, I guess you you could you can kind of go on with this point, but Texas didn't even play that bad. I mean, it was a pretty slow start, but Texas was eventually able to wake up. K State was just it was just a I don't know what even to describe it. I mean, Texas went on a few runs. I think they went on a twelve to two run in the second half, and it just didn't matter because K-State's offense all of a sudden just started connecting on all cylinders again, but I don't know. Sorry sorry that I kind of but I kind of took your thunder right there. No, no, you're good. I mean, John, Texas, I mean, you mentioned Texas. Texas played good, 103 points. That doesn't happen. You know, breaking 100 points doesn't happen that often. They never led in this game. It was tied once, probably some point early on. They never led in this game. But they sure tried. And, you know, it was 75-55, but you you could feel that. I mean, every time you saw a shot go up, you're like, well, that's going in. Just everything. I mean, Marcus Carr played absolutely lights out. 27 points on some really efficient shooting. Tyrese Hunter led the team in scoring with 29. So you got guys with 29 and 27 points. And then um, Sir Jabari Rice um, had a really good game, too. So, you know, 16 points off the bench. But it just wasn't enough. I mean, we just, they couldn't make up for the absolute, you know, the 18 point lead that we had um, to at the end of the first half. And I mean, it got down to, I believe, single digits at one point, but again, you know, each time they would try to get themselves back into this game, you know, uh, we did a really good job at driving and getting the free throw line. That's part of putting up 116 yeah. points, yeah. 23 of 25 from the free throw line in the second half alone. So 31 of 33 at the game. And considering, you know, what we were doing against West Virginia, where we shot, 
let's see here, 62% from the line, 21 of 34. You know, that's another 10 points added there just from being able to make our free throws. I'm imagining we shot like a thousand free throws the day after in practice because the way we were shooting the free throws against West Virginia was just unacceptable um, for big 12 play. So it was great to see that improvement right away. Uh, So just an amazing game. I mean, I don't want to be cynical or anything, John, but you have to think you put up 116 points. You beat the number six team on the road. Seems like, especially considering the results we just saw with Baylor going down to TCU on their home floor, it just it seems like we're setting ourselves up for a letdown game against Baylor in Waco. <laughs> You're waving me off, John. Am I being too cynical? Are we are we riding the the copium of the Tang the Tang run? This is this is the semi pro NBA team we're talking about here. Uh, I mean, you score 116 points. You hand Texas their first ever loss inside the Moody Center as well. And here's another thing. You want to talk about uh, Jerome Tang going back to Baylor as a little homecoming. Let's not forget who came uh, along with Jerome Tang to Manhattan. That was Ehrlich Maligi. He came in uh, He came in as one of the assistants for Texas. Um and I I guarantee I guarantee you that there was definitely that he definitely played a significant impact in terms of kind of the overall maybe experience that he had with some of the Texas staff and some of the Texas players as well. So I I guarantee you that he made a ginormous impact on this game as well. Um but I mean you you pointed it out. I mean let, let let's be perfectly honest. I mean, the Big 12 is still an, a, a, just an absolute gauntlet. I mean, we, we were to the point in which we saw TCU just win a couple minutes ago as we're recording this. Kansas barely scaved Texas Tech. It's, I mean, we're, we're, we're to the point in which K-State could possibly make the NCAA tournament while also finishing last in the Big 12. When you're looking at the strength of schedule, um, I, I don't remember. I, I, I think it was based off of Kim Palm. I could be wrong. But the top 10 teams in terms of a strength of schedule, it was all the Big 12 teams. It, it was all the Big 12 teams. So there there's still a long ways to go for this basketball team. But to start off 2-0 conference play, you get two wins. I mean, you beat West Virginia team at the time who – I mean, well, who at the time was giving Purdue all they could. You be a Texas team that thrashed Gonzaga. Um, their their lone loss was to Illinois, which when Illinois was really good at the time. Um, and on top of that, you have a pretty decent non-conference win, which is looking a lot better now in LSU, which I believe is twelve and two. Nevada is also looking pretty good as well, so. I mean, K-State has, has enough backbone at this point in which not only can they build their resume up for an NCAA tournament, I mean, that's easy enough with Big 12 play, but now you're to the point in which you score 116 points. Uh, you have Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson going off. And, and by the ways, um, I mean, you got Keontae Johnson just completely playing 
his is all it is best. I mean, he, I mean, he was previously an SEC uh, all what was it all freshman team all first freshman team. Yeah, I don't. It, it's been too long to remember. But this is but this is, but this is the type of caliber where we were wanting to see Keontae Johnson play when he came into Manhattan. You and I were unsure of um whether or not Keontae Johnson will be back to full health. And if and I and I and I pointed out if Keontae Johnson was that was that was at full health, this team would probably get a pretty a little bit better, but uh not to the point in which we're 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 scoring 116 points against Texas of all teams. And, and number six, Texas as well. I mean, that's just it, it like it, it's just unbelievable. Uh it, oh, and then on top of that, I mean you had Jerome Tang after the game uh making omelets uh in, in the hotel as well, uh for the overnight stay before they head up to Waco as well. So um it was a really big one. I also did see something as well, Blake. Um the previous record for the most points in a game by K-State, it was 115 points against Delaware State back in 1991. Uh, and against a ranked opponent, this was the most scored since the 2009 Sweet 16 game against Xavier, in which K-State scored 101 points against them as well. So, I mean, I mean Jerome Tang has made his statement known to not just the Big 12, but college basketball that this K-State team is for real. If you I mean, if nobody else has any plans, get to Bramlage ASAP. This team is gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, and that net the next time they play in Bramlage, January 10th, it's a Tuesday. They're playing Oklahoma State at 6 p.m. And that should be a ranked K-State team that's playing Oklahoma State. I don't think the wow. result of the Baylor game matters. If you beat two ranked teams in the Big 12, especially one of them being a top 10 team. Uh, you know, on their home floor, that is absolutely deserving of a top 25 ranking. I mean, we're 13 and one. Uh, we're on a seven game winning streak, which uh, I think is our best since um, 2017. And then also, John, first uh, first win over a top 10 team on the road since we beat number two Baylor 56-54 um, on February oh, 4th, right. 2017. Yeah, I mean, f- 56 points. <laughs> 56 points. We beat and, that in the first scored, half. Yeah, and we scored 50 in the first half against Texas. Oh, man. We, I mean, looking at this as well, we, we, well, I mean, 116 points against Texas. That's the same combined score as our point total against Wichita State and our point total against LSU combined. Hey, hey, I'm just, dude, I'm just completely speechless. I mean, I don't care. Look. I know it's tough for some of the alumni and fan base out of some of these other areas outside of Manhattan that aren't able to make it to Manhattan occasionally, but this is a special team that's being made. Having two players coming from Bruce Weber's former uh, former team, next thing you know, Jerome Tang just brings in the guys he won. He made it a priority. He wanted the guys that he, that he was able to work with. And not only was he able to just, well, I mean, he he pointed this out. He didn't re, want to rebuild the team. I mean, it's a complete elevation. It, it's he completely elevated this team 
to to just not just Big Twelve standards, but I mean, with a win like that, I mean, it's it, it, let me tell you, if we beat Baylor, we 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 deserve to be in the top ten. We 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 heavily deserve to be in the top ten. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know about your opinion, but I mean, I mean, we'll be in the top twenty five regardless of a, of a Baylor game, but. If we beat Baylor, we I mean, there's no doubt in my mind we're a top 10 team. Yeah, I would definitely, I mean, given the strength of the Big 12, obviously that won't happen. Um, we'll probably get it, you know, we, that's just how AP voters are. You know, it's kind of whack, but we'll gradually climb up. We'll, we should definitely be ranked for that Oklahoma State game in Bramlage. Uh, John, I just, I, I want to point out one more thing. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I just want to say that it is such a shame that we, that such a great game was such explosive offense, you know, most points in K-State history was on the freaking Longhorn Network. And, you know, most people couldn't watch it. And, you know, a lot of people had to go to a live stream of the game to watch that, which was great, by the way. Um, Thanks, Greg. Um, (laughs) But it's just, anyway, I just wanted to get that out. If you have any final thoughts before we move on. Well, I think maybe it was also, maybe it was also uh, a good thing uh, so the Texas fans didn't have to watch their defense get absolutely uh, meat slapped all over the place, uh, road graded, uh, anything like that. Uh, boy, well, I, I think there was just one thing I wanted to point out before you, before you, uh, uh, before you mentioned, uh, oh man, even, even I forgot what you talked about, but I mean, that's just what we do we, in conversations. We talk about one thing. After another, and then that just completely flies by us. It is what it is. Um, but, um, I mean, I mean, it's it's a little bit of a different narrative in, in football because I mean, the Big Twelve doesn't get all the amount of respect like you'll see from the Big Ten and the SEC and all that. The Big Twelve is the best basketball conference, and just with some of these results that we've been seeing on the basketball court. I I just have a feeling that that it not not just with the way K State's been playing, but you just add in the Big Twelve factor. It's the best conference in all college basketball. I mean, you, you there's probably going to be a, a little bit of a slight in mind that K State is probably going to be a little bit higher than most people expected. I mean, I I don't know. That's just from my perspective. But you just put into some of those. Uh, you just put in some of those factors and. You know, if I was an AP voter, a win over Baylor, I'd put them in the top ten. A loss, I'd I'd still put them in the top twenty-five somewhere. But um, nonetheless, nonetheless, this team is here. They're, they're going to make a lot of noise. Um, if you get the chance to see them, I highly, highly recommend it. I that that that's all I gotta say. But that it's just. It overwhelms me, Blake. It overwhelms me. Well, I mean, and, and on top of that, I mean, it, nothing's better than beating Texas as well. So, yeah, it's nice to beat them two years in a row um, in Austin, which is really yep. great um, in two very different ways, I may add. But yeah, there's still plenty of time for you to catch the cats in Bramlage. We definitely want to get some really good crowds and bring back the Octagon of Doom. So, but John, the, the, the Moody Center is now Bramlage South. We beat yeah. we Texas handed them the first loss in Moody Center, so therefore it's now uh Bramwich South. So uh yeah. That, yeah, it, we 
that's all she wrote in terms of this conversation. Yeah, it's like risk. We went and beat them, and now now it's our territory. So um, right. very quickly, before we get out of here, let's talk some women's basketball real quick, John, because they obviously had a lot of time out over Christmas break, but they started up conference play. Um, unfortunately, had a pretty disappointing loss to Texas and Austin, 87-41, just overall a poor performance all around, but they bounced right. back. We'll, we'll call that we'll call that Bramwood South still. So. Yeah, it's still Bramwood South. It doesn't matter. But they had a, a bounce back win uh, a few hours ago as we're recording this against Oklahoma State, um, highlighted by a breakout performance by Sarah Shamatsi. Excuse me. He put up 24 shots, by the way, which has to be a career high. Uh, but she also had a career high in rebounds. Her first career double-double, John, 25 points, 11 rebounds. Um, she made a ton of clutch threes when the game was pretty close, um, but the cats were able to come out on top 86 to 72 um, to get their first win in conference play. Um, Gabby Gregory also had 25 yeah. points, but I mean, I don't want to take anything away from that, but that's fairly expected based on what we've seen from Gabby Gregory, but all around a really solid performance from this team and a good bounce back win moving forward um, before they move on to play West Virginia. And, and I was working the game as well, just, you know, not the ideal start. You know, the women's basketball team, they're able to get together, get a big win. I mean, and play when it fully matters. But we've seen in the first five to ten minutes that it hasn't really been the case, especially early on when they were trailing 9-0. Um, but Sarah, but uh, Sarah Shamatsi, I mean, man, this is her statement game without a doubt. Um, she came up real clutch, especially in the second quarter. Uh, on top of that, Gabby Gregory, um, re really when the game was on the line, what was it, 70 to 68? I mean, she played, I mean, she made some pretty game, game clenching threes, um, in case they needed her the most. So, big win for K State. You also had the Glenn sisters, uh, Oh, no, sorry. Yeah, Serena Sundell also getting 14 points, eight rebounds. Uh, oh, and uh, Shamatsi, yeah, I, I think you pointed this out, 11 rebounds as well. Um, so really big win for K-State, especially one uh, you, you had a home against Oklahoma State. I believe the head coach for Oklahoma State was previously a member of Jeff Mitty's staff as well, so. Um, nonetheless, a really big win. Oh, geez, I, I'm just not really good at, uh, at thinking about this stuff. But another double double. Uh, Serena Sundell, she had 14 points and 10 assists as well. So, um, she had a pretty solid performance as well. So, just overall, a pretty complete team effort tonight. Yeah, I mean, especially after that rough start you mentioned being down nine nothing. So again, a good win. Get your first win in conference play. They play again in Bramlage this Saturday at 1 p.m. against West Virginia. It's dollar day, so I believe all tickets, you can get a ticket for a dollar. Even some select concessions are a dollar as well, which is tough to find these days, John, with, you know, it the really economy uh, and all this <laughs> inflation you're selling, stuff. You're selling pretzels and nachos for $6. <laughs> I mean, geez. I mean, you're, you're having, you're, all of a sudden you're having Southwest Airlines completely collapsing from existence you're also having all these other business just just i don't know man the i mean you, the economy is taking a hit but 
This isn't politics. This is sports. Um, we, we, we are K-State guys. We're going to talk about the K-State type of things. Uh, and we're going to just continue talking about these basketball teams, recap football season as well. Uh, what, whenever opportunity we can, we will give what what our best perspectives to you guys because none of this would be possible without you. Not none of this possible would be possible without you guys, without a doubt. Yeah, that you know that's a great way to end it, John. So thank oh, you uh, all. No, no, no. Well, I got. I just no. I just have one little thing. Okay. Hey, if you guys go to the Oklahoma State men's basketball game. I will find a way to get you on the video board. I'm working, but I'm working the video. Uh, I'm doing the graphics, so I'm just gonna just yell at everybody. Uh, I'm just gonna act like our our director and just yell at them to point at them. So I don't know if that's gonna work, but yeah, yeah. Well, um, if you need the hookup to get on ESPN U, because I think they'll be on ESPN U. Um, oh, yeah. I guess. I'll be working in the truck. So, uh, yeah, you, you're hooked up either way to get on TV. Um, so, uh, yeah, are you working for Are you working for ESPN Plus? I mean, you you working? Yeah, for my man. All right. Yeah, I got to show up really early. Um, that was the thing about for the the game on the 31st. That was the same days as the Sugar Bowl. I had to show up at 1 p.m. So I had to leave at halftime to go there, and then I just check my phone, and it's like, oh well, Alabama already scored. Oh, they scored again. Oh boy. And then it was just like, I don't even, I, I went back and watched the second half later. Anyway, John, you had such a great, you had such a great just period to the show. And now you've got me on this tangent. Anyway, let's, let's get out of here. It's, it's pretty late as we're recording this. So thank you so much for listening. It's, it's with Shake and Blake's show. We're expected to be entertaining everybody. We, so we, we never know how to end a show. Um, make sure you're following us on Twitter, Shake and Blake seven eight five. Link will be in the description. Make sure to leave a review, follow the podcast, other good stuff. I think we'll be back Monday um, to recap the um, two uh, men's and women, the men's and women's basketball game each respectively. That'll happen on the seventh. So until then, cats by ninety. Cats by ninety. Emo. Emo. <laughs> <laughs>